This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Western North Carolina. Welcome to a Wednesday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio Thanksgiving evening. 2023, a lot to be thankful for this year. Looking forward to uh, a nice long weekend. Looking forward to, for the first time uh, in my life, not having to cook I should say in my life, since I've been an adult, not having to uh, to cook or clean on Thanksgiving Day, that should be a lot of fun. My wife and I have already planned it out. We're, we're going out for dinner at a nice uh, nice place near us and coming back and sitting in a hot tub. That's going to be that's going to be our Thanksgiving, and uh, um, we're, we're both really looking forward to it. Um, uh, got Dan Zampano coming up in a few minutes. Uh, he is going to make his appearance early this week so we can talk about uh, the Thanksgiving games as well as uh, the other things going on around the NFL. And uh, we can both take a Friday off to recover from the uh, food coma that we're likely to be in. Um, the St. Louis Cardinals signed a couple of pitchers yesterday, and I, I said in my little tease on uh, social media this morning, they went to the Wayback Machine, and I mean uh, way, way back. Uh, they brought in uh, Kyle Gibson who is 36 years old, won 15 games for the Baltimore Orioles last year, made 33 starts, very dependable, pitched almost 200 innings, uh, signs a two-year deal. Um, and uh, so good for him. Um, you know, look, this is a guy, he won 15 games, but had, had an ERA of 4.7, but struck out 157 guys in 192 innings. He's a, you know, He's got a winning record over his career, but he's still a guy that pitches to a mid-four ERA for his career. So, you know, he's been around for 11 years. Uh, he'll be an innings eater. There's no question about that. Lance Lynn coming back to the Cardinals. Um, hasn't been with the Cardinals, I think, since uh, ooh, 2021 or 20, something like that. It's been a few years anyway since he's been with the Cardinals. And last year he had a rough year. I mean, he ended up with the Dodgers at the end of the year. Uh, pitched a little bit better, but man, he started the season with the White Sox and was putrid. Uh, he ended up finishing with a winning record, 13 and 11, but he had an ERA of damn near six. He gave up 44 home runs this past season. That is the sixth most in Major League Baseball history. Uh, matter of fact, against Arizona, if you remember, he gave up four in one inning in the playoffs. So, uh, look, the Cardinals were 20 games under 500 last year. So it's their worst record since 1990. Uh, they needed pitching. But, I, you know, it, it also shows me that they are not going to go out and be bidders for the, uh, uh, the top guys. If they're going out and signing Kyle Gibson and Lance Lynn, uh, it sounds to me like uh, they're not going to go out and uh, spend a lot of money on Blake Snell or uh, Yamamoto, the kid from Japan, or anything like that. So it, Interesting that uh, that is who they have decided to go to. So uh, former Cardinal manager Mike Schilt has a new job. He is now the manager for the San Diego Padres. Got a two-year deal yesterday. Uh, look, I thought he got a raw deal in St. Louis. I mean, look, um, they went to the playoffs three straight years. He was the manager of the year in the National League in 2019, and a couple years later he's out of a job. Uh, never understood that, and you know what? The Cardinals were paying the price for that. So now he gets to take over a team loaded with talent. We'll find out if all that talent is there come the start of the season. Uh, there's been talk that they might consider trading Juan Soto, but he's got right now he's got to, uh, you know Fernando Tatis Jr., Juan Soto, Manny Machado, Xander Bogarts, um, but of course their top pitcher Blake Snell on the market. And I don't you know if they want to try to retain Snell, they might have to ship off Soto. Uh, just for financial purposes. I mean, their their payroll last year was obscene, $260 bucks, and they collapsed. 
You know, and I feel for the Padres organization. Their owner recently died. He was like 63 years old, Peter Seidler, you know, and uh, died suddenly. And so it was uh, uh, kind of a somber press conference yesterday. Mike Schultz said, hey, you know, my goal is to bring a, 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 a world championship to this team and uh, fulfill Peter Seidler's uh, dream. So uh, Mike Schultz, good for him. Good for him. I always, I didn't think he was a bad manager in St. Louis. And uh, Oliver Marmol has certainly proven not to be any great shakes. Uh, 20 games under 500 last year, so uh, good for Mike Schilt. The Red Sox have a new pitching coach, Andrew Bailey, uh, who pitched for the Red Sox for a couple of years, who I watched pitching college at uh, Wagner College. <laughs> that kid was unbelievable in college. but he was, And he was pretty good in the pros, too. 2009 Rookie of the Year. Uh, injuries got the better of him. Um, but uh, he finished with a... 95 saves in eight seasons with Oakland, Boston, and the Yankees. Uh, I also think he pitched for uh, Philly. Um, and, uh, look, he's a guy that did great things as the pitching coach with the San Francisco Giants. Uh, he helped develop uh, Kevin Gausman, you know, really kind of get him on the right track, and uh, he helped make Kevin Gausman a lot of money. With his time, uh, while he was with – the San Francisco Giants, I believe they had, uh, in the three or four years he was there, a 3-6-0 ERA over that period of time. And he's got a lot to do in Boston, obviously. He's uh, got to try to fix what's wrong with Chris Sale and try to find a way to keep him on the field. Uh, he's got to help develop Brian Bayo uh, a little bit more because Bayo looked like he hit a wall last year and he had outings where he was very good and then he had outings where he was very inconsistent. So it's going to be up to... Um, uh, to Bailey to try to figure that out and then to figure out what he's going to do with guys like uh, Winkowski and Cutter Crawford and, uh, uh, you know, are they going to be starters? Are they going to be relievers? You know, what what are they going to do? So he's got a lot of work to do, but uh, he and Craig Bressel, former teammates, as a matter of fact, they used to sit in the uh, bullpen joking uh, about Bressel running a major league team one day and then Bailey being on his coaching staff. Well, guess what? <laughs> Dreams do come true. Um, so anyway, so the Red Sox have their pitching coach, and it's one that uh, uh, that that Craig Rezzo pointed to immediately. And wanted to try to get him, uh, managed to get him away from the Yankees, uh, who interviewed him for their job as a bench coach. Bailey's excited; he's you know from New Jersey, so he wanted to get back closer to the Northeast. Uh, mission accomplished. And you know, he and his wife have done some great things charity-wise. Uh, I remember they built a uh, a playground for kids with disabilities. Uh, in East Lyme, Connecticut, and uh, just uh, they do some some wonderful charity work as well. So uh, I think he'll be a good addition to the Red Sox staff. Uh, Major League Baseball announced the full share for the Rangers winning the uh, World Series title. Uh, anybody who gets a full share is getting five hundred and six thousand dollars. Not too shabby, huh? Five hundred and six thousand dollars, pretty good. Houston, uh, who lost the World Series, uh, I mean Arizona, who lost the World Series, is going to get uh, three hundred and Thirteen thousand dollars, which is up from the amount that Philly got last year, but uh, five hundred grand a piece for winning the uh, the World Series. Not too bad. Couple of upsets in college basketball last night. Number one Kansas goes down to Marquette in the Maui Invitational, so that'll throw some uh, a monkey wrench into the work. Uh, number two Purdue uh, playing in the championship game there today against Marquette, and uh, you would think that uh, if Marquette wins that one, well, they're going to suddenly find themselves perhaps the number one team in the country. That'll be interesting. Uh, and then the biggest upset, hey, how about Bryant University in uh, North Smithfield, Rhode Island? They knocked off number 10 Florida Atlantic last night, 61-52. to Good for them. First win ever over a ranked opponent for uh, the Bulldogs of Bryant. It's been a weird week for them. Uh uh, Phil Martelli is the uh, the new coach there, um, and you know. But just uh, just this week, he found out that his you know boss resigned on Monday. Jared Grasso, who had been on a leave of absence, uh, gets promoted to head coach on Wednesday, and the next thing you know, uh, they're knocking off Florida Atlantic. So good for them. Uh, little Bryant with a uh, with a nice win there. Uh, it is 15 minutes past the hour. We're going to take a break when we come back. Dan Zampano going to join us. It's time for some NFL football. Back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 17 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call here on a Wednesday. And I don't know if I can do this. I'm a little thrown off. We got Dan Zampano here on a Wednesday, not on a Friday, but we'll find a way to get through it. Dan's got a lot of traveling to do uh, over the holiday weekend. Good morning, Dan. How are you? 
Oh, Gene, it's a good week to be uh, to be watching football. It's a very thankful week. Obviously, I'm thankful that we get a lot of uh, good good games this week. Either you're basically either a playoff game uh, waiting to happen, or it's a trash dumpster fire game. So you get the best <laughs> of both worlds if you'd like to watch either one of those. Uh, but gobble, gobble, let's get after it. You know, uh, let's start with this, because uh, I, I want to talk about the Kansas City-Philly game in a minute. But uh, I want my overall uh, overriding take uh, from last week, and uh, and it was funny, you know, and not that I want to be con- uh, in the same boat as Ben Volan, God, God forbid, but it was interesting when I read his column because I had already, you know, I was. My wife asked me how how was football today. I said it's some of the worst quarterback play I have ever seen. The next day, <laughs> I read Ben Volan's column and he says some truly dreadful quarterback play in Week Eleven. I mean, it really was when you think about it. I mean, teams won despite the fact that their quarterback stunk. Yeah, I mean, you had a lot of games in which the quarterbacks. I mean. Think about the quarterbacks that are playing, Gene. I mean, we, yeah. we he started off the week with with Jake Browning. Oh, what can Browning do for you, right? And then <laughs> and then and then we had after that we've had you know some really rough other quarterbacks. Tommy DeVito, who actually won the game right uh, this week uh, against Sam Howell. You got Will Levis out there playing. I mean, God bless him. We you know we love him, a local kid. But man, just a brutal week for him. Um, Zach Wilson getting benched. You have, to, yep. you have to be that bad. I mean, Zach Wilson's had chance after chance after chance. I don't know how many times Salah is going to say, oh, he's, he's actually not doing that bad, and then benches him. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, you know, I mean, it's yeah, but, just all over the place. It, it's been the year of – it has not been the year of the quarterback in the NFL. Well, year. you know, for instance, you know, a guy, Jared Goff, I mean, that that finish of that Detroit game was unbelievable. Jared Goff stunk the whole Unreal. game. Throws three interceptions, yeah. and then they come back and snatch uh, victory from the jaws of defeat. I mean, and if you're the Chicago Bear fans, it's just one of those things where you almost expect that stuff at this point, don't you? I mean, they had they were up 26-14 to 14 with four minutes to play, and they lost the game to a quarterback who had been awful the entire game. Unreal. And what are they? What what was it? they were like uh, in the last thirty years? I think they're one of like a handful of like a of, of a few uh, dozen teams out of like five hundred yep. that have been up ten with four minutes to go <laughs> and, and 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 lost the game. Yeah. I mean, it's it's ridiculous, you yeah. know. And and let alone almost giving every better in America a heart attack on the last play of the game. Thank God for Darnell Wright kicking that ball out of the end zone, or you're right. not covering the spread with the Bears. So that's so that was a that was another one. I mean, the Bears par for the course, right? But hey, they got the Panthers to lose their game, so that was a tough one. Uh, it's not all bad in Chicago when the Panthers are losing. Yeah, well, I suppose that's true. Uh, well, let's talk about the uh, that uh, Eagles Chiefs game. Uh, and look, um, the weather certainly played a factor in that game. Uh, I think you know. I mean. If it's better weather, do we have a different outcome? But the one takeaway from this game, to me, and yes, the Eagles win, and yes, they say, well, it had nothing to do with revenge and yada, 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 whatever. At the end of the day, the dro- the number of drop passes that Patrick Mahomes has suffered this year from his receivers is unbelievable. 26 of them now. That leads the NFL. And, you know, I mean, he had one, the one, the, the, the Valdez-Scantling that would have been a, uh, a touchdown. Mm-hmm. And then the one on the fourth and long after the intentional grounding call that went right through the guy's hands. I mean, it's like yeah. he, he's got to be talking to himself. Yeah. I, I think those plays get highlighted mainly because they're on the last drive of the game. They need a touchdown to win. You know, but uh, you know, to me, I think it speaks to a bigger issue, Gene. They haven't scored a second half touchdown in three games. Yeah, I yeah. mean, like there, there's that, there's a fundamental issue. I mean, you, we got to give credit where credit is due here. The defenses of the NFL, the Dolphins, the Eagles defense, especially finding ways to get turnovers. I mean, they just don't value the ball right. in the second half. You know, that Kelsey fumble. I mean, that game was over if Kelsey. If Kelsey just holds on to the ball, they're going to score a touchdown on that drive, too. Right. So, you know, that was a really brutal play. And Mahomes throwing a pick to Bayard and trying to force the ball into the end zone, that was a pretty brutal play. I mean, it's not 
you can't just blame all the blame on the receivers because in the last drive of the game, when now you really need it in the highest pressure situation, they drop the ball. I mean, yes, you obviously need receivers to do that and make plays when you need it, but there are plays to be made. And, and Mahomes threw a terrible ball in the end zone uh, that he never should have thrown trying to fit a ball in. And Kelsey fumbles on the, on at the 10 yard line as they're going in. So, I mean, we can we can throw blame all over the place and yes, like the the drops are terrible, but this is a bigger issue for Kansas City in that I think that Mahomes has been pretty uncomfortable in this offense and, and having to slow play this this year. It's going to be a grind for them this year. There's no easy no easy fixings here this this year for uh, for Kansas City on offense. Yeah, you know you can in some ways, and I mean Kansas City obviously with a better record, but in some ways the the play this year, uh, the inconsistent play of the Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills, very similar. No, I, look, this is, and I hate bringing this up because I know what people will say about me, but this is what made the Patriots dynasty so great is that the window of opportunity in the NFL is so small. And to do that for that consistency that long is incredible. Now, the Chiefs' window is obviously still open. They're right. still one of the best teams in the league. They haven't, they, haven't, uh, they haven't missed the playoffs since, I think, 2014 was the last time they missed the playoffs. So, right. I mean, this Chiefs team has had a long, long, good history of playoff wins and then obviously over the last five years, Super Bowl wins. Um, so it's not like their window of opportunity is closing, but they do have, you do have to wonder about the future of this team after this year. If they don't win it is Travis Kelsey's another year older. Andy Reed is another year older. Um, you know, what is the future of the chiefs with Patrick Mahomes behind it? And, and if they don't win the Super Bowl, how do they address the wide receiver position next year? Yeah, how much, you know, and I know that it's water that's way under the bridge, but uh, how much do you think they are ruining the fact that Tyreek Hill is no longer a part of that team? I mean, can you imagine, you know, that's a different team with Tyreek Hill on it? Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. But, you know, yes, Tyreek Hill, I would say, is probably one of those irreplaceable players. But at the end of the day, the, the Chiefs won a Super Bowl last year without him. Right. I mean, like, you know, I, I, they, they, they've accomplished stuff without them. It's just a matter of the right formula. Like, no player, no one player is going to win you a football game, and that's the best part of football is that it's a team sport. Now, Tyreek would blow the doors off of some of these, and they would be a lot better football team. Right. But I think that there's, there's opportunities for some of these young receivers to grow and for Andy Reid to be creative. That's the way they're going to win games in the playoffs this year. And also having a great defense because Spagnola's defense has been outstanding this year. Right. Uh, well, uh, to move on to another game, we, you, you knew, you know, before the game even started that this game was going to be the kind of game it was. And that was the, the Browns Steelers game, uh, mm-hmm. you know, with, with Thompson Robinson playing quarterback uh, for, for Cleveland and, Kenny Pickett being and the uh, the offense of Pittsburgh being what it is, you knew it was going to be a slog fest. It was every bit of that. Uh, it was so bad, you know, when the Steelers lose this game, they end up firing their offensive coordinator, Matt Canada. Uh, and you and I had a little exchange on so, on uh, text message the other day, and I I said, you know, I'm not sure that firing Canada was the solution here because I'm not sure whether it's him. Or whether it's Pickett, it, I, and I likened it to you to the situation in New England, where everybody thought that having Bill O'Brien uh, as the offensive coordinator was going to fix Max Jones. That did not happen. So how is how is a change in offensive coordinator suddenly going to make Kenny Pickett a better quarterback? Well, I think I think in retrospect, it'll it will look back on it and we'll say, look, like this Steelers offense was just too predictable. I mean, it, it's, it was obvious. We talked about it earlier in the season where they were clearly running all their pass plays out of shotgun and all their run plays out of under center. Right. And they did try to switch that up in recent weeks, and, and, it, was, and it was much more effective, especially in the run game. I mean, if you look at the last three weeks, nobody's running the ball better than the Steelers. They have, they're averaging six yards a carry right. on the ground the last three weeks. So, so that's a great thing for them. The problem is when you run into one of these – unbelievable defenses are you able to get the ball down the field in some ways and 
and kind of open up the passing game and maybe maybe a change a little bit in philosophy towards uh, how they get guys open and maybe finding a way to throw the ball shorter distances and get guys out in open space instead of throwing outside the numbers. That might change considering what, what the Steelers are going to do. So I, I do think Kenny Pickett, you can see his confidence is still there. Whereas Mac Jones, you just see the footwork yeah. is off. The confidence is gone. and just trying to force things. Kenny Pickett's not going to try to do that. Um, you know, they ran into a tough defense and they, they could have won that game. I mean, yep. they, like, you know, we know how the Steelers formula is going to go. Is they're going to win their game with their defense. They're going to run the ball really well. They're going to try to capitalize on big plays when they can late in the game, find a way to make a play late in the game. And they've done that this year consistently. They did it against Baltimore earlier. They just couldn't find a way to do that in this game because miles Garrett was an absolute animal. I mean, that was a game out of the 1970s and it was perfect for Garrett. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Uh, b- b- biggest surprise this year, the play of the Browns and the record of the Browns right now or where the Houston Texans are? Oh, my gosh. I think you got to go with Houston, right? I mean, well, the only re- but the only reason picking second, I, well, second overall in the draft. I get that. But the, only, yeah, but the only reason I brought that up is not necessarily – I mean, obviously, start of the season, you figure the Browns are going to be a better team. But considering the Browns have had to play, you know, different quarter, three different quarterbacks this year, uh, I think it, it kind of it kind of makes their record a little bit more surprising, at least to me. But I get where you're going with the Texans. Yeah, no, I mean, I think the Browns, I think the Vikings are very similar to the Browns, too. I mean, look at the Vikings, it's like they, they started 0-3, right? and then they lost Justin Jefferson, and they start winning, and then they lose their quarterback, and they're still winning. Right. You know, and obviously they didn't still win this week, but, you know, Cleveland is a very similar case in that way. I mean, defense has won the day. I mean, the, nobody thought that the Browns would have a historic defense, like historic. We thought Jim Schwartz would make them better, but not this good. I mean, right. they're eons beyond everybody in every statistical category. So, yes, it is surprising. But you look at Houston, I mean, they have a kid who people are seriously considering MVP in his rookie season. Yeah. I mean, that's – that's you talk about hitting a, hitting a draft pick. I mean, that's – that's pretty good, you yeah. know. Well, he showed, so, but he but he did uh, show he did show he was human last week. He did throw three interceptions. Yes. the first time, first chink in the armor, really, of the kid this year. No, no question about it. And I, you know, I think that was the spot, right? I mean, you know, he had been high flying all day long for for so many weeks there. He was bound to kind of come back down to earth a little bit. And I think Arizona, uh, with Kyler Murray back, maybe got some life in them, but a loss for them. So I, I'm just saying. You look at Houston. I mean, we didn't know anybody in their roster. <laughs> like they don't have yeah. like there, there was nobody on their roster that we even knew. Well, Devin Singletary, you know, you know. and uh, yeah, but, okay, well, Devin but I thought, Singletary but I thought, a except I thought, string running back. Yeah, that's what I thought. He was, you know, I mean, he had, you know, he had a couple of decent seasons, but I thought he was toast. And the, you know, I thought he's turned, he's he's put in a couple of nice performances for them this year. Gene, I, I'll be honest. Like in the in the summertime, when me and Matt are doing our show, we yeah. do those positional ranking shows. Yeah. And every year, we just the big joke the last few years has been how funny is the Houston Texans running back? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's literally. It. I mean, it's, it's yeah. ridiculous retread, guys. And they found something with Pierce. And and, and remember, the Texans have been super injured. Yep. I mean, super injured, but they've had an excellent draft where Tank Dell and Will Anderson and C.J. Stroud have all pretty much hit for them so far. Obviously, you know, we're going to wait a couple of years to see how, how they actually get to their precipice. But, I mean, that team so far, Casario was on the hot seat. Oh. He ain't on the hot seat no more. He had a great draft. <laughs> I was thinking about him. I'm thinking he's probably sitting back in his office right now with a cigar going, how do you like me now? <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome i mean he was uh he was pretty malign matter of fact when he got the job people were going what are they doing right you know and so i remember think- the texans were tampering with the patriots yes. to try to get him to come the year before yes. like everybody the first two years like what the heck is the direction they're going in and <laughs> bang there it is you well know? you know it, it goes to show you when you when you get the draft right you know and uh, the patriots wish they could have gotten the draft right the way the houston texans did with cj stroud i'll tell you that mm-hmm. you know i mean that's mm-hmm. there's no question about that um how about what is going on with the denver broncos 
I mean, <laughs> you know, here's the thing. You know, and I I really gave Sean Payton a lot of crap. When you come in there and you get a new job and the first thing you do is trash the other coaching staff that was there and basically saying what a joke it was, right? And, and especially he looked even bad when the, the start they got off to. But now all of a sudden, the, the way this defense is playing, and he's gotten Russell Wilson to calm himself down a little bit, and he's getting better quarterback play out of Russell Wilson. All of a sudden, Sean Payton – uh, is looking like, well, maybe he really does know, does know what he's doing, and maybe he doesn't need Drew Brees. Maybe he can make something out of Russell Wilson. It's such a Parcells thing. Yeah. You know? I mean, yeah. like, to say something like that, that, that literally echoes what Parcells would say. Yep. Like, it just, just brash, you know, doesn't care. I've got a ring. Well, who are you? Right. You know, and playing with a, playing with a quarterback, <laughs> playing with a quarterback that, you know, he's kind of like, you know, all over the place, like Sims, yep. but finding a way to get him to play good, you know, uh, playing with a pretty good defense and the defense is getting a lot better. Vance Joseph has done a good job. Um, they're still not very good against the run, but that they have created a ton of turnovers the last few weeks. I mean, they've been outstanding with, with taking the ball away yep. and that's saw it again on Sunday night with Minnesota. I mean, that's the reason Minnesota loses that game is to get, they had three costly turnovers in that game, Justin Simmons was an animal. Uh, the D line, I mean, they got after Josh Dobbs like no end, but Minnesota was winning that game for a vast majority. And then at the end, Russell Wilson makes a play and Cortland Sutton catches oh, that touchdown. That catch an was, awful, yeah. awful two point conversion call. I oh. don't know what he was doing there. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Uh, the, but they, they held on, man. I mean, kudos to Denver for figuring out a way. They also ran into a couple teams that are obviously struggling. Um, you know, with quarterback play and, and, and the Bills struggling offensively. But two weeks in a row now, on prime time, Denver is the story and the toast of the town. Can they keep it going is the question. And they have an extremely brutal schedule yep. down the stretch for the last five games are on the road. Right. So mm-hmm. good luck. It's going to be tough. But, man, if they can pull it off, it'll be coach of the year for Sean Payton. What made that game all the more amazing to me is when I, I looked at the stats at the end of the game and I saw that Denver was only two for 12 on third down in that game and they won, yeah. right? They won. Yeah. I mean, how the hell does that happen? I mean, you have less than 300 yards of offense and you won. Um, but I, here's the thing that to me, and I, I talked about this on the air this week. I think sometimes people don't give enough credence to the difference in playing at altitude what that difference that makes Mm -hmm. the difference I saw in the fourth quarter of that game was that the Minnesota offensive line was gassed and the defensive line of Denver was getting way more pressure on Dobbs than they did earlier in that game and I thought that that might have been a big factor in especially in the last half of that fourth quarter well, and remember, I mean, Dobbs is a great runner. He's not a very good passer. Right, right. So they put them in a situation where they're like, we are going to put you in third and long. Right. You know, I mean, we are we are going to load the box. You, we know you want to run with Madison and Chandler. We're going to load the box and make sure that, you know, you're going to be able to, you're going to have to pass the ball to beat us. And we don't think you can. And and it was a great strategy for yep. them. So uh, kudos to Denver on an excellent game plan. Probably the game plan of the week going back-to-back, having a short week, beating the Bills up in Buffalo, and then winning a home game against a Vikings team that was really hot. That's the game plan of the week for me. It's Wednesday morning, 9.36 a.m. here on the East Coast. Brandon Staley still has his job in San Diego. Or in, <laughs> excuse me, in Los Angeles. How how is that yeah. How is that happening? I mean, tough guy, huh? I mean, yeah. what a tough guy. <laughs> you know, coming coming up on the, on the stage after that game, hey, don't ask me any more questions. You don't have to ask that question to me, Gene. You don't have to ask me that question about Brandon Staley. How dare you bring that up? You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've, my picks have been great this year. Right. <laughs> you know? I mean, yeah, they've been awesome. <laughs> yeah, they've been awesome. Like, that, that's what I'm saying. I mean, Staley, I mean, what a clown. I mean, total clown job going on right there yep. in, in, in L.A. And, you know, again, another game in which the secondary lets you down. They had third and 20. They're giving up third and twenties. They're giving up deep balls down the field to rookie wide receivers. Yep. Like you've got all pros in that secondary and, and you can't, st- I mean, 
that's it's just egregious. And you can say what you want, you know, oh, our team lost. Like, yeah, your team did lose and your offense didn't play well. But it's not like it's not like this hasn't happened multiple times before and and, and we haven't seen the defense let this quarterback down again. So right. you had an opportunity for your defense to win that game and you couldn't do it. Right. Uh, you know, I mean, I don't know what more you need. I mean, it's, it's, are the Chargers making the playoffs this year? No. Absolutely no, not. not Absolutely not. I mean, it's not going to happen. So, you know, now they got to get Baltimore at home on a Sunday night Good luck. against Lamar, who's going to have extra rest. Yep. Good luck. Yep. Stay lovey. Um, you know, now maybe maybe if Bosa doesn't get hurt early in that game, maybe it makes a difference. I I don't I don't know. I don't want to hear it. Yeah. I don't want to hear it about Bosa. Bosa's hurt every six weeks. He's hurt. I mean, <laughs> you know, another injury for Bosa. Uh, like you know, you the same song and dance every year. You know, Khalil Mack's the best player on the defense. Yep. Like he's he's been dominating. But you know, at the end of the day, this team is way too talented. For your, for you to not be able to stop Jordan Love, I mean right. that's totally ridiculous. So it's a scheme thing, and Kellen Moore will be the coach next week. That's my, I mean it has to happen. I mean the Spanoses are so cheap, it's disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> and, and if they keep this guy going, I mean it's ridiculous. Well, that's the only reason the that field. that's probably the only reason he still has a job is because they're cheap and they don't want to pay him for not coaching the team. Honest to God, right? I think that probably has something to do with it. Uh, hey, we saw something that we haven't seen uh, this season. The Miami Dolphins beat somebody that had a 500 record. I mean, I, granted, it was still the <laughs> it was granted it was still the Raiders, but they beat a team that had a 500 record. And they didn't look good doing it. No, I no, mean, they didn't. Like you, you were, uh, we were waiting for the explosion and it never came. Yeah, I mean, they're lucky they got out of that. I mean, the Raiders' offense is just terrible. Yep. Um, you know, with O'Connell, and I'm telling you that that Miami defense is getting a lot better. It, it really is. It's coming together. Yes, Adams got a got a few catches on him. There's no question about that. But man, they got pressure on O'Connell. They really couldn't move the football. Problem was, man, I mean, every time you thought Miami was going to blow off some steam and, and get a touchdown, like they would have a penalty or they yep. would they would have a you know some type of mishap that would go on. And you know, I'm starting to get a little weirded out by Miami's offense not being able to go it, you well, know you should be able to go in against these teams in these games i think one of the things i saw last week was if you could get them into a third and long situation which they did a lot you can st- you know this team for some reason they struggle on third and long it's like what what were they last week a two for 11 on third down three for 11 maybe something like that so if you can get them right. you know into a third down for whatever reason you know even with you know guys like hill and waddle uh you you kind of have them at a disadvantage for whatever reason. I'm not quite sure what that is. So uh, well, yeah. you know, the the Dolphins have a really good uh, pressure rate allowed. Like statistically, they're really good in that category okay. of not giving up pressure. Yep. But the reason is is because they get the ball out so quickly. I mean, that's that, that really in pass protection, they are not a good offensive line. Right. I mean, they are really not. I mean, Armstead is the only one and. And he's missed more than half the year this year. So, right. you know, I mean, I, I, this is not a very good offensive line that they mask really well with the scheme, as we've talked about. So Miami is going to have to figure out a way to get the ball into, you know, third and fives, third and fours more often, really avoid third down. I mean, they shouldn't yeah. have third down. They can get the ball down the field very, very quickly. Um, it, it appears as though the rumors of the demise of uh, Purdy – in San Francisco have been greatly exaggerated. The first (laughs) perfect uh, quarterback rating in a game since Joe Montana as Purdy misses just four passes, three touchdowns, 333 yards. Uh, He's just fine. Tell me more, Mr. Twain, because I would love to see more of that from Brock Purdy. I think think this is, this is, that was an incredibly efficient game. And that's, that's when the 49ers offense is working at its best. Their defense played well, not great that they lost to Funga. That sounds like a a tough injury for them, especially a guy who comes up and really plays the run really well, makes a lot of the Troy Palomalu-esque plays. But I do, I do think that this team is back to its role in winning ways. And 
big game for them on, on Thursday night because we know Seattle, who lost an absolute heartbreaker. I mean, they, yeah. they should not have lost that game. They're going to be hungry on Thursday night. So San Francisco keeps on rolling. They should keep going uh, on Thursday as well. Yeah, I would think so. And, you know, I keep I keep coming back to, you know, what you said about, you know, the, the, top, the top four teams. And as, as you watched last week's games, uh, you know, it became mm-hmm. more and more apparent that, you know, what you said was right because – uh, those are the teams really that kind of rise to the top when you watch these other games. And some of these other teams that have good records, like I have a hard time. And do I think Cleveland's going to make the playoffs? They probably are. But I have a hard time taking them seriously. I don't care if they're 7-3. and three. And I know how good their defense is. But at some point, you've got to be able to score. And that's the concern I have for the Cleveland Browns, despite the record. Same thing with Miami. You look at them and you're like, eh. And I can't. And I don't know what to make of Jacksonville still. I really don't. Well, you're going to find out real quick with Jacksonville this week against Houston because they need it badly. They had a bad week against the Niners. They did. And they bounced back, but they bounced back against Tennessee. But, I mean, this is a huge game for them. They already lost to Houston this year. This is a de facto maybe divisional title game right? really early in the season. So a lot of games like that this week. But it's going to be fun, man. I think you're right. I think those top four teams, that's why – Chiefs-Eagles got 29 million viewers and was the most watched Monday night game since 1996. What other sport can do that to get 30 million viewers? Right. Uh, nobody, because football is king. <laughs> okay, all right. Stop drinking the Kool-Aid, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, and by the way, before we – I'm going get, to get ready to have you pick this week's games. How about the fact that this week – Two quarterbacks from Middletown in Middletown's Xavier High School are going to be awesome. starting in the NFL. How often has that happened? I wonder that two high school two quarterbacks from the same high school starting in the same week. I bet that doesn't happen very often. I'm, I mean, we've heard guys from De La Salle out in California, Don Bosco Prep in Jersey. Right. I mean, we've heard guys from all the modern days and all those. Yep. But little Xavier High School in Middletown, Connecticut's got two starting quarterbacks. Like, how do you like that? And two guys that we both saw. Yep. Play play uh, play in high school. It's so pretty cool. Really and cool. look, I have no illusions that uh, that that Tim Boyle is going to lead the Jets to a victory this week because you know, I mean, look, he had, he's he's had a few chances in his career, and you know, he's a backup for a reason. We're, but hell, he's in the NFL, and we're not. That's all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Very true. Let's take a look at this week's games. By the way, four and three last week, so at least you were on the positive side. The Chargers let you down yet, oh. a, yet again. <laughs> much, much better, much better on this show than I was on the card. I mean, oh, really? The card, we just couldn't get. We we got one three and one. We had the Cardinals pushing. We had the only one we got was the Eagles, which was which was a grind to even get that. But man, it, we just we just suffered. I'm glad I was at Bush Gardens this weekend and not. <laughs> Not watching NFL football because I was losing every which way. <laughs> it sends you right to the bottle. All right, let's get to the games. Yeah. I'm not going to have you pick any of the Thursday games. I mean, we could talk about them briefly if you want, but I mean, I'm having a the only game that is somewhat intriguing to me on Thursday, somewhat is the Detroit Green Bay game. Um, you know, to okay. see to see if Jordan Love can follow up on you know the best performance of his career. You know, he's on the road, and Detroit, you know, loves playing on Thanksgiving. And, you know, with their quarterback play last week, you know, you just wonder if maybe Green Bay might have a chance. They're seven-and-a-half-point dogs. I'll tell you what, if I were a betting man, and I'm not, but if I were, I think I would take Green Bay in the points in that one. Well, let me tell you something, because, I, and this will be for all the Thanksgiving games, the consensus really on Thanksgiving is that most of the time the favorites are the way to go. Really? Uh, so, okay. you know, if you're going to, if you're going to bet these big ones, now this is the first time in a long time that all the favorites are going to be seven points or more on right. Thanksgiving. Yep. So, so this is going to be an interesting one, but especially one that I'll give you out is this, I'll give you two quick stats that uh, teams that are seven point favorites or more that are playing on the road are nine and oh straight up. Really? Uh, oh, as wow. those road favorites, that would be the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah. And then I'll give you one more. Yeah. In his career, Dak Prescott, one and five against the spread on Thanksgiving Day. Ooh. The Cowboys have notorious the last eleven games. They are one and ten Ooh. against the spread on Thanksgiving. And that's so, a big number on Thanksgiving. The Cowboys are a big number. They're yeah. eleven point favorites against Washington. Wow. I know Washington hasn't played well, but uh, the Cowboys historically are not a good bet on Thanksgiving Day, hmm. even though a lot of people think they are. So. Right. That'll be. Those are a couple of big things. Interesting. The, everybody typically the trends go is that the favorites usually cover except for the Cowboys. Interesting. Well, Washington's happy to be playing on the road because at least they'll have hot showers after the game. 
Did you hear? Yeah. That's unbelievable. <laughs> How can you have an NFL stadium and not be able to take a hot shower after the game? That is just unreal. Makes sense for Washington. Oh, I'm telling you. That. I'm telling you. All right, let's get to uh, the games for, for this week. Um, and we'll start off. Um, and I know you're probably going to go, why are you having me pick this game? But I, I am because there's playoff implications, perhaps. Uh, Tampa is at Indianapolis. Indianapolis, a 500 team. Uh, Tampa kind of, uh, to me, their playoff, even though it's the NFC and the NFC is pretty weak, uh, their their chances are on life support. It's a must win for Tampa this week. Must win. I mean, and look, Tampa, you got to remember, I mean, Tampa wins this game. Remember, Atlanta and New Orleans are playing. Right, exactly. So the division is very much up for yep. grabs. Yep. So, you know, with, with Tampa and Atlanta being four and six, the Saints are at five and five. A uh, huge game for Tampa on the road. Look, I think Tampa's run defense is really, really tough to run on, and I think that's what Indianapolis is going to have to try and do to win this game. Uh, Indianapolis, the last few weeks, averaging 173 yards in the, in, in through the air yep. per game. I mean, that's just atrocious. And you really look at the last two weeks. The Patriot game, I mean, he, he, Gardner Mitchell could do nothing in that game, really, yep. until the fourth quarter. Uh, and if it wasn't for the ineptitude of, of mac and cheese over there, uh, <laughs> they probably win that game. Yep. But the And then you go the week before, Carolina throws them two pick sixes. Yep. So they only scored 13 points, 14 points in that, in that game on offense. I mean, this Colts offense has not been very good. The Bucks are rush defense, like we said, really, really good. And I'll give you another little quick stat here. The Bucks, as underdogs, yep. have covered that number for the last six games. And the Colts have lost seven consecutive home games against NFC opponents. Wow. So I think that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to win this game, and we'll be firing the cannons down in Tampa. Um, intriguing game this week at Houston, the Jacksonville Jaguars at Houston. Uh, again, like I said, I'm, not, I'm still not quite sure what to make of this Jacksonville team, despite the 7-3 and record. Yeah, this is a game I kind of want to sit back and just watch. Right. I mean, I I want to see what these two teams are made of, you know, because I think Houston caught Jacksonville early. uh, They're still trying to catch their footing. And then Jacksonville kind of caught lightning in a bottle, won five in a row. Uh, You know, Houston's been on such a tear, and and Stroud has looked outstanding. He made some, yeah, as many uh, mistakes that he made on Sunday, he had some unbelievable throws. That touchdown pass to Dell was incredible. Uh, So, you know, this is going to be fun. Again, I think Houston's going to try and probably throw the ball more on Jacksonville, whereas Jacksonville, I mean, they can try and throw, but this Texans secondary has been really good. So I don't know what to think of this one. I'm going to plug my nose and take the Jaguars because I feel like the Texans are a little bit of a too trendy pick here that everybody's riding high on, and I think Jacksonville might feel forgotten, might feel disrespected. Yes, they're on the road. But I do think Jacksonville can pull this game off. I'm going to take the Jaguars to win very close, but that is not confident for me. All right, this next one it means nothing for the playoffs, but it's the race for the number one pick in the NFL draft. Uh, the New England Patriots at the New York Giants. Uh, 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 Danny DeVito, and uh, we don't know who for the New England Patriots yet. We're assuming Mac Jones because he took the majority of the reps in practice, so I'm, I'm assuming he's still going to be the starter. Patriots are actually a three-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. <laughs> Gene, I mean, the uh, theme of the week is uh, I've told everybody, I told every player they better be ready to play. I mean, like, that's that's the theme of the week, right? That's all he said in his press conference last week or yesterday, so – I mean, I don't know what you want me to do with this game. If I don't either. Lose to meatballs to veto here. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it would be a new low. It really would be. And if Bailey's out, to me, like I've talked about, I know, I know we disagree on this, yep. but I just don't see how you go back to Mac Jones. And, yep. and I know it sounds like that he might be the guy, but uh, to, to play this week and, and give them a chance. But, but man, I just I don't understand it. If if he's lost the locker room. They get the Giants on the road. Uh, historically, the last few years, Belichick hasn't done really well against his his uh, his, his former his former coaches. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I guess. Hold your nose again. I guess I'll take. I guess I'll take it one more time because they can't lose to Meatballs Devito. They can't do it. So I'll 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 like the Patriots somehow, uh, some way, right. figuring it out. We haven't had you pick many Patriot games this year, so I figured I had to throw that one in there. And by the way, what a great story! Yeah. How about Devito? Make what they say he's making like forty five grand a game, and he's living with his parents. 
He lives. He lives with his parents still in New Jersey. He's living. He's <laughs> living every Italian American kid's dream, uh, isn't he? Playing then, football for yeah. the Giants yeah. and living with my mom, getting chicken yeah. cutlets. Like yeah. it's fantastic. And down in the basement with the Xbox in between practices, you know. <laughs> oh yeah, that's great. <laughs> That's uh, great. Another interesting game. I still think New Orleans is the better team here, but the game is at Atlanta. Atlanta's a one-and-a-half-point favorite uh, with the Saints. Yeah, this has kind of bounced around with the spread because Atlanta was a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Now it's bounced to, to New Orleans as a one-point favorite. Now I think it's at Pickham. I don't know where it is this morning. Well, it was one-and-a-half this morning. I, that's what I saw. Okay, so it's definitely – so it's probably moved then. Yeah. Um, so this game has been all over the place. To me, uh, you know, like I said, I think these two teams are basically straight down the middle equal, except one's got Desmond Ritter playing quarterback for him. So right, that's right. really the, difference. the whole X yeah. factor. Right. I mean, that's the one difference, you know, with these teams. Sounds like Carr's AC joint is okay. It yep. wasn't as bad of a shoulder injury. He is dealing with the concussion, but he had the week off. So I imagine that he probably clears concussion protocol. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, I think the Saints – you've got to think about the Saints. Remember how bad the Saints were in the red zone earlier this year? Yes. Do you know do You know that they're the number two team in the league the last three weeks in red zone offense? Mm. Um, and, and I'll tell you why. Because they've got Mr. Over the Hill, Taysom Hill, over there. Right. And he's been outstanding in the red zone. Right. So uh, they, they've developed a whole new offense for that. And credit their creativity. I don't trust the coaching. I don't trust the quarterback. And and more people in Atlanta are worried about Alabama next week than they are <laughs> than they are the Saints this week. So I'm I'm taking I'm taking uh, the Saints. Um, another f- interesting game: uh, Pittsburgh at Cincinnati. New offensive coordinator, a quarterback that's been struggling, but Cincinnati, the Joe Burrow is Cincinnati Bengals. It's hard to get too excited about them. Pittsburgh, a one and a half point favorite on the road. Yeah, again, like I, like I said, this is a tough one. This is a tough one because, it, it, you know, you say one-and-a-half, one-point favorite for Pittsburgh on the road against a, a backup quarterback. I mean, especially Pittsburgh coming off a divisional loss. I mean, that's got Mike Tomlin written all over it, doesn't it? That's a really tough game for Cincinnati to go up against. I mean, you look at – we talked about their rush, rushing offense that Pittsburgh has had. It's been fantastic. And Cincinnati's got one of the worst rush defenses in football. So, you know, and, and, and never mind the fact that Pittsburgh's defense is really good. They're the best team in the league the last three weeks in the red zone defense. They've, they're eighth in the league in pass DVOA on, pass, on passing defense. Plus, they got a guy named T.J. Watt that's pretty, de- pretty yeah, decent. Yeah, pretty good. Yep. Uh, you know, yeah, pretty <laughs> decent, I would say. Uh, you know, I, I just, to me, I hope Cincinnati can find a way to fight in this game. I just don't see it. I'm going to take the Steelers. Um, Denver? Uh, is at home. The Cleveland Browns coming in. Can Denver keep it rolling? And can Cleveland keep uh, doing this sleight of hand every week and coming out with a different quarterback and and winning? Yeah, I mean, are you at all surprised that Denver is a favorite in this game? I am. I am, especially considering the way Cleveland's defense is played. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Who's the best unit on the field here? Right. I mean, the Cleveland the defense. The best unit period. on the field here is yeah. Cleveland. And it's and I could go stat for stat for stat for stat for stat here with Cleveland, but you know, to me, the number one stat is you got the number one rate pressure rate team in the league versus the 29th ranked pressure rate team allowed in the league. Yeah. I mean, that case closed. Miles Garrett's going to have three or four sacks in this game. Never mind the fact that Denver has been terrible defending the run, and Cleveland's got the third best rushing yards per game in the league. So even if DTR's got to throw the ball down the field. Cleveland should be able to run the ball on this Denver defense. I mean, I think Denver survived by the skin of their teeth the last couple of weeks. Now they're going to play maybe one of the best defenses we've seen in decades. Uh, this is going to be really hard, and it's going to be a great coaching matchup. You get Sean Payton versus Jim Schwartz on the other side, who's a legendary uh, defensive coordinator. So that's going to be a battle and a war. I just think it's one that Cleveland's going to win. All right, last one I got for you. Uh, Buffalo is at Philadelphia. And, uh, you know, look, people are excited about the, you know, Buffalo fired their offensive coordinator, and they're like, oh, they, they figured it out. And I keep saying, it was the Jets that they beat. And I know the Jets' defense isn't terrible, but still, uh, I have a hard time getting too excited about what Buffalo did last week. I mean, Gene, if you really watched that game, Zach Wilson had – less than zero time to throw the ball. Right, exactly. I mean, yeah. he it was a joke what they were throwing out on 
14 different offensive lines this year <laughs> for the Jets. Yeah. I mean, you you want to talk about just basically a throwaway game. That was it. Yep. And and so to me, Buffalo coming off a win, Eagles a Monday night winner. Typically we like to fade those, but I just to me, how do the Bills control the line of scrimmage on defense? I, I just I have no idea how they're gonna do that against this Eagles front. Right. That, and remember the Eagles haven't played perfect, you know, like it, they had the weather and all that stuff. This is gonna be a clear night in Philly, thirty degrees, like Buffalo's coming in. Josh Allen's gonna have to do just ridiculous backflips and somersaults and pretzel twisting <laughs> to get anything done here. Right. He's going to have to look like one of those old Romanian gymnasts to do anything. So, you know, to me, I think it's, I think it's Philly. I just, I cannot see Buffalo going into Philadelphia and, and winning that game the way their offense is playing. It wasn't a good offensive performance. It was right out of the gates. The bills were mad. They took it out on a bad team. I think the Eagles do win this game. Okay. Uh, Michigan, Ohio State. Michigan was a three, <laughs> three, three and a half point favorite. Yeah. Are they going to get it done? This one's for Jim Harbaugh. You know, so I'll if, say. If, 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 if they win this game, you know, it's, it, it just proves how dominant they are. If they lose this game, they have a built in excuse, right? I mean that's you know it that's you know but we didn't have our head coach you know and that, that's that's the only part yeah, of it that bothers I, me. I hope I hope that that's not the case because you know Michigan is the better team here. I yeah. mean like and not 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 I mean we've seen teams like Ohio State that've been good in the past, um, but Michigan here is just like they're the better team. The offense of Ohio State is not what it has been over the last couple of years. Now it's been better the last few weeks. And the Ohio State defense is definitely going to have to win them this game. Their D-line, that's the whole game for Ohio State. If, if they get beat up up front against that huge Michigan O-line, then, then that's going to be obviously a killer for them because that's how Michigan's won these games. Right. A lot of people have said over the years, Michigan is built to beat Ohio State, but they're not built to beat Georgia. Well, this ain't Georgia. Right. So, you know, this is Ohio State. So I think I think this could be – you got to play team team oriented defense and team oriented on the offensive line and rely on that. And McCarthy, as long as he keeps control of the ball, he struggled last week against Maryland in the second half. Um, but I think I think obviously, you know, looking ahead to Ohio State's always tough for Michigan. So in the big house, I don't see how they lose it. I just I don't see how they lose it. And I think Michigan will go in as the number two team in the in the playoffs. My friend, I hope you uh, and the family have a great Thanksgiving. I appreciate you coming on and spending some time with us this morning. Same to you, Gene. God bless. I'm thankful to have the opportunity to voice my crazy opinions on this show. <laughs> it makes me smile every time, and you are the best. Happy Thanksgiving. Dan Zampano here, on, happy Thanksgiving. here on Sports Country Radio. That is going to do it for us here this morning. Uh, we will be back on Monday with another edition of The Wake Up Call. I hope you all have a wonderful Thanksgiving weekend uh, and uh, enjoy the college and NFL football this weekend. We leave you this morning with uh, some music from Dolly Parton from her new album, the rock star album. This is Let It Be featuring uh, Paul McCartney and uh, uh, Ringo Starr. Have a great weekend. You've been listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country.